Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to The Spiritual Forum. So glad you're here. Thank you for listening and for sharing this podcast with friends and family. It's a voice of hope. It's a voice of authentic expression. It's a spiritual voice. And I'm just really, I just am so grateful to have guests on who are willing to share their lives, their experience, because I think that's how we grow. We grow by uh understanding ourselves, and sometimes we understand ourselves by listening to others, and this is a platform for people to tell their stories and to to really share their spiritual lives and their, uh, their awakening and also their transformation. So today, I'd like to introduce my guest, Vanessa May. Vanessa is a nutritional therapist and a well-being coach who now offers a unique type of bereavement support. Her holistic grief coaching looks at all aspects of the grieving process and how it can affect not only our emotional and mental well-being, but also the body and the spiritual. When her son died, Vanessa was unable to find the help she needed, and as a consequence, she determined her own ways to navigate the complex grieving process. Because of this, she's able to guide others who are going through what she's been through with heartfelt compassion, while also being in a position to provide professional advice. This past summer, Vanessa trained with leading grief expert David Kessler and is now a certified grief educator. She recently published a book cataloging her deeply personal experience called Love Untethered, How to Live When Your Child Dies. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. And you're coming here from UK. You're in London. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am in the, the coolest position because I talk to people all around the world. You know, it just kind of started with people in the States, but I talk to people in London. I talk to people in, in um, New Zealand, Australia, India, and it's just fascinating. Um, yeah, it, must be. It really is. And it really just goes to show, I think we're all, it's a universal thing. You know, it's like as humans, you know, we're spiritual beings, we're human beings, and it doesn't matter if we come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions, different countries, different anything, that our stories and our experiences can really touch the hearts of people. And I'm really happy to have you on because having having read your book, Love Untethered, which is just very, very appropriately named, I um, you just really bore your soul in that book and everything you went through in grieving and um, the grieving process with your son. And right off the bat, I just want to acknowledge you for that, because I think it's very courageous and it's very brave. And and it also, as I was reading about, you know, the depth of your feelings as you're going through your process, which I'm going to ask you to talk about in just a second, I just really connected with you as a human being, like as another human being. And that's so rare. And I think that your book is a gift to the world, because even if people aren't going through the grieving process in the same way or, or at all as you are, that if we can connect with each other at that deep heart level, I mean, something just really opens up in our own hearts. And I think you really provide that for people. Um, mm, thank you. Yeah. So 
rather than me keep talking, I'd like to give you the opportunity to just share what you want to share about your experience, your story, um, and where you are and how you've come to where you are today. Okay. Well, firstly, thank you so much for saying that because the whole purpose of writing the book is to help people understand just how difficult this journey is. I never imagined how it would feel. And when you're living it, it's like nothing else. Um, And we live in a very grief averse society where people are terrified of, you know, child loss in particular. Um, And so I'm trying to raise awareness and, and help people understand what it feels like. So thank you for acknowledging that. Um, I mean, I was I was just working quite happily as a nutritional therapist and a well-being coach, helping people live their best lives, addressing, you know, their physical health, their ailments and then their emotional health and setting goals. And yeah, and it it was it was great. And I had two kids and um, everything was, you know, just the normal ups and downs of life. And um, and then. Suddenly, my life was turned upside down. It was just completely shattered and everything completely fell apart. And I felt pain like I've never felt in my entire life. Um, And I had a very physical reaction as well. And one of the things I talk about in Love Untethered is people don't think about when there is trauma in grief, you have a very strong or you can do I did a very strong physical reaction so I would shake from head to foot and my heart would beat out of my chest and um, I felt dizzy and I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat I didn't sleep for two weeks my body was completely utterly traumatized and this was quite surprising to me because I hadn't really heard about that so that's one thing in love and tethered I really tried to highlight it's the physical aspects of grief. And so I think it's well known that grief affects you emotionally. Um, but physically, there's not that much awareness. And then the other part uh, of the book that, it, again, I felt that I wanted to highlight was how when everything falls apart and you're broken open, then there, it doesn't always happen, but it can open you up spiritually and you can have something of a spiritual awakening. And I think when you see the body of your child, you, I certainly thought, well, he's not there. So I'm going to need to find him. I need to find him because he's somewhere. And this is just his shell now. So that was very strong in me right from the start. And I think I'd always, you know, I'd always been quite spiritually minded. Um, but I'd never had to really address the meaning of life in any great depth. <laughs> Why are we here? You know, I thought about it. I'd read books, but suddenly it was a it was a pressing matter to to look and address why we're here, what we're doing on this earth. Um, is this all there is? Well, I never really thought that anyway, but I certainly didn't. I knew there had to be more. I knew this couldn't be all there was. And so one of the things I did initially was um, look for a bereavement counsellor and it didn't really work for me and they didn't really help. And I, I, I thought I've got to find, I don't understand what, what's happening to me. 
physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I need help. So I turned to books and that was great. And I I read um, lots of accounts from bereaved mothers and then generally books about grief and then spirituality. And then I was learning and then I was like, okay, this might be my way through because how do I survive this? How on earth do I survive being separated from the boy I gave birth to who I love beyond anything? And then a friend suggested that maybe I should write. Maybe I should start writing. Maybe that would help. And I thought, well, I, I write blogs on nutrition and well-being. Why don't I just kind of journal? So that's what I started to do. And then I found um, a David Kessler course, which was called uh, Writing Through Loss and Trauma. So I thought, and the timing was interesting. And so very quickly, I think within five weeks, I started that course. It was an online course. And so my writing took off. And that was my therapy. That was my therapy. And it helped me through the grieving process, which was, you know, terrible. Um, There's no dressing it up. There's no saying um, there was a silver lining. But I knew I had to survive. I had family and I I knew somehow I had to to live. Um, So as I in the writing process, I I started to question what I was going to do to find some meaning in this, to find a purpose. I felt I couldn't go back to what I was doing, but I thought, how can I use the tools that I've got together with what I'm going through and what I'm learning to help other people? Because that's what I was doing. That was my career path to help other people. So I thought, well, I, I can't I can't go back to doing the kind of thing I was doing, but how could I adapt it? And that's so through my writing, I thought, okay, I need to help other people in my position. I need to write this book to help other people, like I was helped by some of the books I read. And then out of that came the idea to become what I called a holistic grief coach, because I thought, you go to a bereavement counsellor or a therapist, and it's very much about the emotions of it, which is absolutely a massive part, but not so much the physical, not so much the spiritual. And when I'd seen this bereavement counsellor, I'd felt that when I mentioned that I thought I was getting signs from my son, that I went to a medium, I felt it was slightly dismissed. And so I wanted to take that stigma away for people and help a a rounded understanding of grief, obviously specifically of child loss, but also for anyone who's had a traumatic loss and, and, you know, felt uh, the loss of someone deeply. So you're, um, you have this holistic approach and I can really appreciate that because as you're talking about your experience with your grief counselors or therapists or whoever it was that was not meeting your need, we do have a very compartmentalized society. You know, people really specialize in certain areas. And I get that. You know, you go to a physician and, and you can't really talk about the spiritual with, with a medical doctor sometimes, but it's rare. I've had mm. one or one, <laughs> but it's rare. And, and then you can't really, and, and you can't always talk about the body with with spiritually focused people. So so I think what you what you ran into and what you you kind of awakened to is that these I mean life is a whole big I mean it's all of it body mind spirit. Yeah. It doesn't nothing is independent. I mean the body's not independent of the mind. The spirit is not independent of the body and the mind and 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 yet in our society we do treat it that way. And and probably grief is one area where it's so clear that that doesn't work. So clear that that doesn't work. And you kind of discovered that. And now you're able to 
help people from this holistic standpoint, which I can see would be so very, very needed. Yeah. And in particular, trauma. I think childhood trauma is there's a awareness about that, um, and rightly so. But trauma in grief and what it does to the body and the research that I started to do, because obviously the sort of sciencey side of being a nutritional therapist, I started to, and actually I've got a second book coming out next year, which is a, a goes into a great deal of of detail and um, talks about various scientific studies. But you know. I, you are more likely to have cancer, heart disease, all these serious illnesses if you've experienced a traumatic grief. Not all grief is traumatic, um, but if it is, then it, it's a major stressor on the body. And stress, as we know, causes all kinds of issues. Um, and so that that's that's big. You know, if it's going to affect your health and it's not being recognized, then um yeah, yeah that I want to bring awareness to that. Uh, and yeah, and and as you say, everything's in compartments, you know, the mind, the body, the spirit. And it, it would be great if we could go, we're you, it's it's all mixed up. One thing has an effect on another. It, it, it's you know, it, it's all can it's all connected, the mind, body, and spirit. And and certainly that's the case in grief. Yeah. And I can see that grief, most people focus on the feelings. They focus on the emotions. Yeah. Now you've mentioned that you didn't you didn't have like a, a religious background, but and, and I wanted I want to distinguish this to people who are listening because this is not about being religious. I mean, um I mean, religious is, there are religious people who listen and there are non-religious people who listen. Religious is kind of a set of beliefs and kind of a, a, a structure. Um, and, and then the spiritual is, I think, more experiential. So, but you you would say that you, you through, through your grieving, uh, you said you, you went to some mediums and were able to uh, experience the spiritual side of this process. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm open to all aspects of spirituality, whether it's Christianity, Buddhism, I find value across the board. Um, but I don't know how it came about really, but I, I decided to go and see a medium and I think you have to be careful. I -hmm. think there are some charlatans out there. I did my homework, um, and I, I was careful. And it helped enormously. And and I got validation without a shadow of a doubt that that it was my son. They told me things they couldn't possibly have known. And again, because of you know, having a science background, they are doing more studies now. Um, they're 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 doing rigorous studies on mediums to check their validity and if you know they what they say is is true and whether there's I mean, 70% of the world's population believe in life after death um, and that life carries on. And 75% of bereaved parents believe they've had communication from their child. Now, you could argue that's wishful thinking. And, you know, maybe, but I don't believe that. I, I do believe that's the case. I feel my son with with me. It, that is comforting. There's there's no doubt about it. Um and I'll take what I can get, you know, if it helps me. And I think it's, um, is it Alan Wolfit? And he says, um, it's the spiritual dimension of grief 
that allows you to survive and and go forward and to yeah to basically survive the grief and i would agree with that so yes you have to heal your your emotions and and your body but you have to heal your soul as well and and that's definitely the conclusion i've come to everyone's i respect everybody's views i've got some very good friends who are atheists and you know I just, I think it's important to be open-minded, uh, you know, above all, really. Um, yeah, I mean, why close the door? <laughs> why close yeah. the door? Yeah, I had I had an interesting guest a few weeks ago, a couple few months ago, uh, Mark Gober. He talked about uh, upside-down thinking and how we live in a world as if our our mind, our brains, like we've been taught that it creates consciousness, like consciousness happens mm. because our brains create it, but it's really the other way around. That consciousness is before matter, and and I think we know that, but we still live as though, um, in a way, we still don't really believe that. But if consciousness precedes matter, then whatever matter does, consciousness is still there. And yeah. then they've also done these studies where um, where when a person passes, there's they lose some amount of weight. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of that. Yeah, but yeah, this isn't fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. And then, of course, there are all the the near death experiences where people come back and and all of that. But I yeah. think I think that there's more evidence to show that that consciousness precedes matter, that consciousness is eternal and, and continues. And it's just that in our dimension, we just can't really understand it. And so, a, a death makes it so clear that we that that physicalness is not there, and then we just really have a hard time grappling with that. So I'm. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that you have to be cautious with mediums because I think that there are that that could open up some yeah. places for people that 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 isn't healing, uh, depending on who you go to. But it sounds like you have had some good experiences and you did your homework. Mm. Um, how, how would yeah. you do your homework for something like that? How do how would you know if a medium is a, is somebody that would be worth going to? I think through reading books that would recommend mediums. Um, one medium I went to who I talk about in the book, she, she'd she actually written her own book um, and it was a Sunday Times bestseller. So I thought she probably is quite <laughs> good. And she had a long waiting list. And in the meantime, because she had a long waiting list, she recommended another medium. So I, I knew that probably that was a solid recommendation as okay. well. So yeah. I think, yeah, be very, very careful. And it's not for everyone and it won't help everyone. But but I was just searching. I was just searching all the time. I don't really need to go to mediums now because I feel I've got my connection with my son. It's established. I believe it. I don't necessarily, you know, if I if I want to know something, I ask him and I wait to see if I feel that he might be, you know, giving me a, a reply. Um, I feel quite guided by him and obviously bigger God, whatever you want, the universe. Yeah. However you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, and I, and I think it, it's very difficult for us to get our head around it. But the loss of a child in particular just makes you question it all and opens you up. I mean, you, your heart has been broken. And, and if you think about what it's like, your heart is broken and therefore it's open. A broken heart is an open heart. Sometimes, not always, but I felt for me it was. 
and and all the you know like the roomy quote that's where the light get the crack is where the light gets in and and all the rest mm-hmm. of it but one of the beliefs I like and I'm who knows whether this is the case we won't know until it's our time to go but you know seeing earth as just a school where we're here to learn and evolve and it's about soul growth and nothing grows your soul more than suffering i mean those that's the buddhist teaching isn't mm-hmm. it that you grow through suffering um and it's true unfortunately you know but but that's that's kind of how my experience so i'm thinking finding purpose and meaning out of what's happened to me keeping connect knowing that my bond continues with my son i mean that that the, there are lots of grief theories as we know the five stages of, of grief elizabeth kubler ross the best grief model as far as i'm concerned is the continuing bonds theory which is that you continue your bond with the person that you've lost and that death ends a life not a relationship i'm always going to be my son's mother you know, I, I, I'll always be connected with him. Our souls, I feel, are connected. And that helps. It doesn't take away m- the way I miss him, you know, desperately. So I don't want to do a, a disservice to any other bereaved parents who are struggling because this mm-hmm. is a hard path. This is the hardest. It really is. Yeah. It's been well known that um, that the death of a child is the hardest loss. And I'm I'm kind of interested this has happened I shared this with you and I may have shared it on my podcast before I'm not sure but we've we've had in my family we've had um a lot of death in the last couple of years my my father died in early 2020 and that was tragic but very expected and he was 96 and we were all prepared and then my 26-year-old niece died like 11 months later complete and total shock. Yeah. And then earlier this year, my brother died in July, and that was kind of in between. It was like he he was in ill health. It was still kind of happening more suddenly. Um, but but the one the one that really is difficult for us is the death of my niece. You know, she was twenty six, yeah. and and she and and there's just so much potential. There's so much life that that you imagine her living and. And it's still such a huge question. And my heart goes out to her parents, my brother and my my sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And it's been two years, but there's there's no real recovery. There's no, there's no, you know, you'll be fine someday. No. And but and, and I and I don't know how to help them. I do my best, but I don't know how to help them. I know people approach loss like that. Some with their their hearts crack open and they're just opening themselves up to everybody. And there are others that the heart must open, but they're closing themselves off. And yeah. I'm wondering, yeah, how as a as in your position where you're helping parents go through grief, how how do you work with people who either have closed themselves off and or didn't necessarily have the the ideal relationship with their child or they their child left at a time when things were difficult between them or those kinds of things um do you deal with all of that with people with clients yeah well yes uh, i i do i don't just work with bereaved parents actually i okay. i work with widows widowers uh, people who've lost children um parents siblings so um but 
yeah I, I when it's a just your last point about when it's a difficult relationship I did recently work with a bereaved mother who didn't have a good relationship with her child and I think it brings about an awful lot of guilt mm-hmm. naturally guilt's involved in grief anyway because you always go if only I'd done this if I I should have done that I should have done that people want to blame themselves because that's easier than just going well perhaps it was random because we want control so actually yes. if we take responsibility <laughs> then we're taking the control which is overall what we want weirdly um we think yes, we're that I, powerful we think we're that powerful that it's our fault that we did it <laughs> exactly exactly um I, I, there's there's one one thing that i read that i have kind of hung on to when somebody dies young that is I'm not saying this is necessarily true, but it's one way of looking at it. They didn't need to be here for long. They were old souls. They'd done what they needed to do. And that was, you know, that was all they needed to, that was the length of time they needed to be here for. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I don't know that to be true, but I quite like the idea that that sits well with me in my situation um, and that my son's just gone ahead of me. I'll see him again or I'll be with him again. But I had, I mean, I didn't have much of that, fortunately, because I had a very close relationship with my son, which, of course, makes it difficult you know, and heart-wrenching in another way. But I do feel for people when the relationship wasn't good or if there was addiction or drugs, because that complicates things. If there'd been tough love, for example, um, if, they, if they'd been estranged, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And going back to your other point, I, I, I know people who you know it's just they're just never going to get over it and and they're very stuck in their grief and when you've lost a child who can blame them mm-hmm. sometimes i'm stuck in my grief mm-hmm. and i'm helping other people but i still have days where i feel very stuck in my grief and i i can't get out of the mire and i think that's okay and i i think that's normal it's not like other losses when it's i mean i i also I'm very sorry for your loss. I've also lost my my dad, and it's an entirely different ball game because you're. It's expect. Of course, it's sad, but it's expected, and it's not traumatic. You lose a mm-hmm. child; it's <laughs> traumatic, and that that brings a, a, a lot of stuff with it. Um, I think it's important that you you highlight that it's trauma. I think because it's it's when traumatic grief is different than than. I, I don't know if regular would be the right word, but a standard. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> the, the normalized kind of grief, but a tr- but but a grief that causes great trauma. It, that's a whole different healing, I think, that has to happen. Yeah, and healing's an ongoing. I mean, I I view myself. I'll be healing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever be healed. I am going to be in the process of healing. Yeah, and that's okay. And. Your your outlook changes enormously. I don't look for happiness anymore. If I get a little bit of happiness along the way, great. But I know that's going to be very elusive. It's very difficult to be happy when you don't have your child with you. But what I do strive for is peace. Peace. That's that's very much what I feel um, would would helps propel me forward is being at peace. I accept that my son isn't here, but I don't like it. You know, I'm never going to like it and I'm never going to be okay with it. 
But I think feeling that he's still with me in a different form, just not in his bodily form, that helps me. But it doesn't make it okay, And I have to emphasize that because I think there's nothing worse. I do talk in the book about uh, toxic positivity and spiritual Mm -hmm. bypassing. And it's very easy to say our thoughts create, you know, our whatever the expression is, I can't think of it. Our thoughts, I mean, it, I think people get confused. They say our thoughts create our reality. People yeah. think that means that our reality was caused by our thoughts, so that we created this situation. And what I always teach is that our, our thoughts do create our experience of reality. So when, yes. when tragedy happens, we, we do have some choice over who we're going to be. Now, it may not, when something is tragic at first, like like the death of a child, which is so traumatic, it's not like we have a lot of control over our thoughts. There's no control there. I mean, we're in free fall. There's not like, oh, I can choose that thought or that thought. That's not going to happen. But but at some point, when you, I, I think when you're going through this process, any kind of process of healing from trauma or grief, that you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to, to choose... I'm going to find joy today in something. You know, that doesn't mean I'm going to be la 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 happy, but I, I'm going to I'm going to choose to find joy today. So in that way, that our thoughts can influence how we experience life. Uh, I do agree with that, and I do advocate that. And I even with you know my bereaved parent clients, I say just find three things at the end of the day that have been okay, and it can be as simple as. You know, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my nice warm bed. I'm yes. grateful for my husband bringing me a cup of tea. It can be very, very small things. But I think it is important to not victim shame because I look at people who I'm, I see, a, I'm part of a lot of, um, on you know, on Facebook, there are grief, there are groups for everything. And there's a lot of grief groups and some of them, and a lot of the pain gets slightly fueled in these groups. I see that and I observe it. But and some some of these women are so in so much pain. And yes, they are victims and they're struggling to get out of that. And if I said to some of them, think three things you're grateful for, they'd probably tell me where to go. And I understand that. I think you have to do it in a certain way. And if somebody said it to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? It's very difficult to find things to be grateful for. It takes a great deal of um, strength, inner strength, if you like, to try to see things differently. And as I say, finding meaning and purpose is one thing I encourage in in my work and also in the book. I talk a lot about um, you know finding purpose and how I've tried to do that. But it doesn't it doesn't solve everything. It's not like I found my purpose. I've written a book and I'm helping other bereaved people. It's like it's still hard. It's right. still yeah. Hard. There's no snap out of it. There's no there's no now it's now I'm on the other side of this. Yeah. There, there is I'm no still other side of this. Right. right. You know. And I can see I mean, I, I really appreciate you brought up not to victim shame. I I, <laughs> I think I, I don't think anyone would purposely do that, but I could see no. how people's good intentions would be like, hey, don't you think it's time for you to, you know, look at things differently now? And and I I think in this situation, you know, you you would know better than I. Well, I, I do know some of this as a minister because I, I do yeah. have to deal with a lot of different kinds of situations. But there's a time where 
you just let people be with who they are, yeah. their feelings and what they're doing. And, and it's almost like, it's almost like what just came to me is um, in the gospels when, when people were ill and in need of healing, when Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? As opposed to saying, hey, I can heal you, or let me tell you the things you can do to walk now or to see now. You know, he asked, do you want to be healed? So it's like there's a, <laughs> there's a point where probably a person wa- wants to turn the corner. And if we're, if we're too soon with, hey, let me make you help you feel better, that they're not wanting to turn the corner at that point. You know, there's a time where you just want to be with the feelings and just be there or yeah. try to get out of all this, but I don't want to feel better right now. Yeah, I totally agree. But I'd also add that um, it's not linear. So you might suddenly get to a point where you think, do you know what? I really want to heal. I want to do something with my life. I don't want it to be all about grief. And you'll do that for a while and then you'll go backwards. And then you'll go forwards again. So it's really important, I think, to point out that with child loss in particular, I think if you've lost, as we were talking about, losing an elderly parent, you know that in time, the sadness remains, but like at Christmas or whatever, but but you know it's the natural order of things and you do move forward in your grief. But mm-hmm. some grief you don't really, you go a little bit forward, a little bit back. You come to terms with it. You ex- make, you know, you make your peace with it. You, you accept it. But you're never really going to um, get over it. And nobody can fix it, as you said. And the best thing you can do if you know somebody who is at any, whatever, whoever you've lost initially, is to just sit with somebody. And if they say it's terrible, then you just say, it must be. Um, and just acknowledge how bad it is for them and listen to them. And later on, and this is when I'm, you know, doing grief coaching, I might start to suggest little ways or ask them how do they think they might, you know, make things a little bit easier, depending. But at first I just listen. I just go, yeah, this is terrible. Because we do live in that kind of society where we're always trying to fix things, make things better. And being a coach, I've done a lot of that. And being a nutritional therapist, it's like, okay, you've got this health issue, let's fix it. Oh, you've got this emotional issue. What how what goal should we set to help you move forward? And that was my way of thinking. And then I realized I can't do that with grief. That's not going to work. So I had to, you know, look at things differently. Um, but yeah. So. so you, so, I mean, so what I just heard is what, if, if I am with somebody who is grieving deeply, that, um, that meeting them where their feelings are like, yes, yeah. that must be horrible. Yes. I hear you. Um, that, 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 that's, that's overall helpful. As, yeah. Yeah. And, and not trying to solve anything. I get that yeah. part, but that just being a container, you know, I think just being a container for everything that is said and just ex- being there to listen and to. Yeah. To acknowledge, yes, this is very hard. I also remember in your book that you said, and this this really stuck with me, that if somebody like hadn't known your son, um, that a, a question that you found comforting, maybe that's not the right word, but what was he like? Yeah. That, yeah, what was he like as opposed to asking about the circumstances or how are you doing or whatever, but what was he like? And yeah. you you found some solace in that question. Well, I think by that stage, I'd I'd had a, a lot of kind of oh, how did he die? How old was he? What happened? Yeah, 
people sort of want some kind of gory details. They There's want something just, weird about it. I, I have it too. I know that? I have it. I, I know I have it. Like what? What, what, how could that have possibly happened? And, and I'm grasping for, for a, a, a why. Every time I hear about somebody dying, I'm grasping for that. I don't know what that is, yeah. but I have it. And I don't ask the question, but I do have the question in That's my mind. That's interesting, isn't it? I suppose we all do. Yeah. And that must be an, a, a human response yeah. to want to know the details, but it's not, I suppose, helpful for the person no. who... I mean, if your 95-year-old's father has died of, you know, cancer, you're probably quite happy to share. But if it's if you're in shock, mm-hmm. you know, you, you it's and you have, or, or maybe you're waiting for the inquest, you know, or maybe you just don't know, or maybe it's complex. Maybe it's not, you know, as I say in the book, for in in our case, it was no one thing really. It wasn't cut and dried, and so. That make I'm not going to share that with a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not. People feel that they have a, a a right really to ask it. But that's it's interesting. I suppose we all do. But as you say, you stop yourself doing it because you have. If you've got compassion, and um, you know, if you're a kind person, you're going to go. I must. I must put them before my need to know. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think we're just trying to make sense out of it. I think that's where the the origin is, and I don't, I don't know that it's meant to be intrusive, but it's like, how no. could that happen? How could that happen? You know, because we don't think, yeah. you know, we don't think reality is going to be, we don't think reality is going to be any different than it is now. I mean, we don't think tomorrow is going to be different than today, or next mm. week is going to be different than last week. We just live as though what we're living with is kind of going to just kind of keep going on with a little bit of changes, and if there's a dramatic change like a death. It's it's something we just can't make sense of. And I think our brains just yeah. go on to this overdrive of trying to make sense of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, I think, yeah. I do really like what you said, that death ends a life, not a relationship. I think that is so poignant. Mm, that, it's not my quote. I, I can't remember who said it. It's okay. I, I'd like to take credit for it, but I can't. Um, well, I mean, you're yes, living so it, true. so you can take yeah. credit for living this. It's it's not the quote so much, but but this is how you are living, that that the death didn't end a life, but or death ended the life, but but you are are you remain in relationship, and and I think that's um, I, I think that's wonderful. So don't worry about it not being your quote. <laughs> you're, you're the embodiment of it. You're the embodiment of it. Yeah. So that and this is what you said. It's called the continuing bond theory. Yeah, the continuing bond theory, and it is about how how do you move forward with them. So, and I talk in the book about various ways you honor them. So. You know, we have a bench in our local park. We planted a rose bush. We go into churches and we light candles. We, um, at Christmas, uh, I've got decorations for the tree that have H's on for my, which is my son's initial. And and so you you look at ways that you continue that bond. And I talk to him. I go, look, I've got this. I've got this decoration for the tree, Harry. And you know, so you you continue. You talk about them. And that goes back to what we were just saying about allowing someone to talk, because often people get so terrified of, oh, I won't, I won't mention them because it might upset them. Well, you're already thinking about them. And actually, somebody just ignoring the, you know, the elephant in the room makes it so much worse. But, um, but you know, continuing the bond will be ways of finding meaning. So it will be helping others so many um, bereaved parents will establish a foundation for their child or go on to volunteer to do things like with compassionate friends or 
like me, train in, in bereavement so they can help others in their positions. It's quite a common thing, I think. Um, so, yeah, those are all ways you continue your bond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. Um, now, you said that, um, well, before I get into that, I thought it was interesting that you you say you're not religious, but you would go into churches and light candles. Yeah. I think it was so church. interesting. I love churches. Okay. I mean, it's just that I wasn't particularly um, brought up in a, a religious way. Um, but but I, I, lo- I absolutely love going into churches, finding where the candles are, lighting them, sitting. I think churches are amazing places. You just can feel just the peace. Um, I I love churches. And lighting candles is is the way that I, I do I think yeah. that's so cool. Well, churches in Europe are very cool. There, yeah. Well, the Catholic churches are amazing because they're so ornate. Yes, um, and they're incredible. But yeah, and I, there's something I, beautiful I, I, about lighting a candle for someone yes. or something, and that flame. Yeah, just the uh, metaphor of the flame and the yes. light. The light is still here. The light is yeah. here. The light is burning brightly. Whether that light is a soul, that person, or the light is is the feeling that I have in my heart for them. Yeah. That the light in your heart is will never extinguish no, for your son. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple things that you've mentioned. Um, I think it's interesting that you went into the questioning of why we're here, what are we doing, and is this all there is? Um, because I think these are questions that people ignore a lot in life. Some people have these questions early. There are some souls on the planet that are asking these questions, you know, within the first five years of being born. And Others of us, we face these questions when we hit some sort of wall, and others of us that hit the walls and never ask these questions. Mm. You know, so was this part of your spiritual path? Do you think that these I think questions- it's interesting what you say about asking questions. You know, when you're under five, because I think probably a lot of us do, and we've forgotten. Because I, uh-huh. I don't know, but yeah. I, I seem to recall questioning things when I was young, thinking. Why am I here? Okay. What is this? I do recall having that thought as a child. And I, I did question things, but it, it just came back. It just came back with a vengeance. And I yeah. didn't have to, you know, I was just getting on with life. I was just living the day-to-day yeah. stuff of, of being on planet Earth. You know, you, you get, you're bringing up kids, you're working. I was just very much involved in all of that, I guess. So right. then, yeah, it came back with a vengeance. And then now my spiritual life is is so important to me. I definitely believe in, you know, something greater than myself and that we're all one and that we do continue and souls can't die, energy can't die. You know, I just very firmly believe that now. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out that you can believe that and still grieve because I think some yeah. people think that, well, you know, if you know souls are eternal, you know, aren't you, you know, why are you, why are you upset about this? I don't yeah. know if you had anybody approach you in that way, but that's that spiritual bypass that you're talking about. Yes, that is. Yeah. And I think people who have perhaps had a, a bit of grief, but it hasn't been perhaps as deep as child loss might give them the depth of pain. They sort of then kind of, yeah, it, it was, it was a blessing. And I know that whoever lives on and and um and yeah now I can I've learned so much from it whereas if you lost a child you kind of feel well yes but 
the pain of not having them here when you've grown them for nine months, you've given birth and you have that primal bond with a child. You know, you, you just have that bond that's hard to describe. And that's very difficult. I can really get it. Yeah, I can really get it. I I have um, three grown children, and I think about how much I can apply my spiritual beliefs to things that happen, whether the things happen to the world or things that happen to me personally. Uh, you know, personal loss—you could, you know, lose a job or lose money or something like that. I, but when it comes to my kids, <laughs> I mean, I think that's part, probably you know, ninety percent of any worry or anxiety or anything that I have in my life is my yes. children. And it's our worst fear, isn't it? Yeah. Just as parents. Wanting them to be okay and yeah. wanting them to make decisions that, that are going to be um, healthy and not harmful. Or, and, um, and, and I have no control. We have no control, <laughs> really. But to just to, so I guess what I'm saying is, at least for me, <laughs> all of my spiritual training, all of the laws that I know, everything it's easy for me to apply in certain segments of my life. And this segment of the being the parent is the hardest place to yeah. really, really live it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How would somebody find you? So like, let's just say, like, let's just say I know somebody who's in this state of grief and they haven't had been able to find the right kind of counselor or the right kind of help. Um, and perhaps you would be the right person for them. And yeah. I don't know, do you, how do you do your, your counseling? Do you do it well, on I Zoom? Do it, I do it on Zoom. So okay. I can work with people anywhere in the world and that's great. So yeah, I, I'm, if anyone's listening and they want to contact me, I've got two websites. I've got my author website for the book. I should probably say as we're meant to be talking about the book, though the book is called Love Untethered, How to Live When Your Child Dies. I would say it is for bereaved parents, but if you've had any kind of you know, traumatic loss, then I hope you'll find value in it. Or you know someone who's lost someone and you want to understand more about what it might be like. This is what um, I thought. I, I, I'm going to interrupt just a minute here because that's what I really got out of it because I, I, I walked through, as, as to the best of my ability, walked in your shoes, reading your book. Um, I was, you know, dwelling in your heart as you were exposing your heart so clearly. And it helped me to understand the loss that people have when they lose a child. It helped me understand, not that I absolutely have to understand, but it, it, it opened my heart. It opened my heart to people who are going through this, and like I said, it's happening in my. It has happened in my family, and yeah. and I'm not. I haven't been sitting there and going, "Oh my gosh, why are they so sad?" Or I, I don't do any of that. But no. it's it's not anything that I can completely a hundred percent identify with because it didn't happen to me. But you helped me see how it would feel if it happened to me. Well, that's I I take that as a great compliment. Thank you. And that is exactly what I was hoping to achieve, that people would just understand what this feels like, coupled with some advice, if someone has gone through it, with how they might start to heal. But but yes, I I, I take that as a big compliment because that's exactly what I wanted. I just want people to, to really understand what it feels like so that if they come across someone, they'll they'll, you know, have a better understanding of what it what it's like. Um, so, yeah. Think, yeah, and I think it's helpful to be seen. I think people, everybody wants to be seen, whether they know it or not, just to have somebody peer into my soul and go, hey, I get you, I see you now. 
And that's what that's what you did in your book. You you open yourself up so much for oh, I can see her. I see who I can see who she is. I can see how she's feeling. That's very connecting. It's it's connecting so I can connect to you. I can connect to my brother and sister-in-law who are going through this. I can connect with my sister-in-law who lost my my brother, her soulmate spouse. But it connects me to the whole world too. And I don't know how to explain that. But I think when two people can see each other in some way, it changes consciousness. Like like something shifts in all of the collective consciousness. And this is why wow. I'm so grateful that that you expose yourself so much in this book because I think it's a gift it's a lot bigger than just bereavement. That's amazing, what you just said. I think that's incredible. Well, that I, that's just, yeah, great. I mean, it's <laughs> not in one way, but another what you're saying, it, to, yeah, that it's connecting. Connection's so important, isn't it? It's what we need now more than anything else right now. <laughs> yeah. We need the world connecting. we're living in. Yeah, there's, there's so much, there's so much, interest in dividing us and dividing us and yes. how we think or believe or you know whether it's religion or politics or whatever mm. and we play into that and it's yeah. just a waste of time such yeah. a waste of time you're talking about the precious life of your son and yeah. and his short time on this planet you know we're spending so much of our more elongated lives just kind of like yeah 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 you know um you know being divided <laughs> and 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 making these people others or I can't believe you and this and that. It's it's all over the place. And so anything that connects us is very, very, very important on this planet, yeah. particularly oh, now. Thank you. That that's fantastic. That's that you know, that's great to hear. And I have been, you know, contacted, as you can imagine, by lots of bereaved mothers who said, I resonated with your story. It, it was really hard to read, but comforting at the same time. Thank you so much. So I do that connectedness is is great and of course that helps me i'm trying to help other people but you know it also helps me so yeah i yeah. mean i was thinking about your book because like i wouldn't have normally picked up your book um because it it hasn't happened to me um although i would have picked it up because it happened to my brother and it would have yeah. helped me with that but but i do think it's a book that's i still think it's useful for everyone to pick up so i good I, yeah so it's it's you know, people only have so much time, you know, like, yeah, uh, like this podcast, not everyone can listen to every podcast, but, but it, like people, I, I was thinking about, well, people listen to this podcast because it's focused on, on, you know, grieving a child if they haven't, if they haven't lost a child. And I just let all that go because it's like, who cares? <laughs> the right people will listen. The right people will get something from it. But I also think everybody will get something from this because it's connected. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's called Love Untethered, and uh, I hope people will buy it and share it and give it to people they love who are grieving. Or, you know, I, I hope that that it, it will help people to understand. But if anyone wants to contact me for holistic grief coaching, then please do because it doesn't matter what your loss is. I work with all types of loss, so I'm happy for people to connect with me. I'll have all your links on the the web page and and all. So I'm kind of interested also in you've you've mentioned that you know there's a your sense of there's a a greater a greater um, energy or a, a greater 
creator, whatever. We, we, we all struggle with this word. Is it God? Is it energy? Is it the universe? Yeah, yeah. But there is something what bigger. What do we call it? Does it, matter? I, Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I, I call it God or spirit, but a lot of people are so freaked out about the word God. And I kind of get it because I went through a phase like that once, you know, in my 20s. So I kind of get it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the unknowable. The, the unknowable. unknowable. Yeah. Let's just call it that. <laughs> yeah. Let's just call it that. Um, do you have, having gone through this process, do you have, was, uh, did you always have some sort of trust and faith in that unknowable force or has it been strengthened or did it, was it challenged this whole process? It wasn't challenged. And I know it's for some people. It was strengthened. I, ha I think I said this in the book, people who've lost a child on the whole, can't generalize, but it's quite well known. Brief parents no longer fear death. I have no fear of death. I had fear of death before. I'm quite scared of dying, but death, yeah, absolutely fine with it. Absolutely fine with it. I know that my soul will live on. I'll be with my son. And it sounds really quite nice. So, and I'll be out of pain. You know, I'll be out of emotional pain. So this is a win win, really. Right. I'm kind of, yeah. But so, Definitely my faith has been strengthened and I don't have a fear of death. Interesting. Because, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people's faith gets gets challenged or they lose their faith. And, you know, how could this, this, how could God have let this happen? People get kind of stuck on that sometimes. They do. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that hasn't happened to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I appreciate that it does for some people and I get it, but that just hasn't been what's happened in my case. Um, but I do understand it. That that must be very hard. Yeah. Okay. But for you, you've you've had your faith, your trust strengthened. So that's interesting yeah, to know. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I see the bigger picture more than I ever did. There you go. Yeah. And I, I know it's it's it sounds like it's it's spiritual bypassing or being overly positive. But I do believe that there is good in what happens, even if it's tragic. That that doesn't mean the tragic thing was good. That doesn't mean that we hope more tragedy happens so more good can happen. It just means that that when we work when we work with spirit, when we work with who we are authentically, we can move through things and and have our faith strengthened and have our sense of ourselves strengthened and to come out of this not fearing death not fearing that there is an end you know that's a great great gift yeah you're right actually thank you for pointing that out yeah. it is yeah and i've learned so much things i'd rather not have learned but i have learned so much yeah i get that i get that well i think we're coming up on our hour and i will put all of your links on the podcast webpage i think you're a, a great gift to the world. I think it was very courageous, very brave for you to write so authentically your raw, raw, deeply felt feelings through this whole process. It was a no-holds-barred thing that, that I saw. It wasn't like you you censored yourself. You you were that vulnerable. And I appreciate it when anyone can be that vulnerable with their feelings on anything. And so I just really have great admiration and appreciation for the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you. Well, that means a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And I wish you the best. And I hope that anybody who's out there who is in this process, that they, they pick up the book or they, they 
contact you, Vanessa, uh, to help you help them through their process. Yeah. Yeah, All I right. hope so too. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. And thank you everyone for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.